Insert gay card. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Wish I knew how Queens is I'm gay. You can't love yourself. How in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Gay card revoked. Hi, I'm Robbie Roselle. And I'm Rob Schneider. And this is Gate Card Revoked. Gate Card Revoked. I did oh, it. I got it. That. I almost didn't. I, I, I had premature announcement and I apologize for that. Wow. Do you need a like a Kleenex or a <laughs> we don't we don't have a brand sponsorship. Do you need a, a, a generic Kleenex? Utensil? Yes. <laughs> hey, Robbie, who's our guest today? Our guest today is a brilliant performer and writer and a friend of mine for a very long time. Um, he's not very talented, but otherwise... Uh, he's also very ugly. Uh, you know what? We're just going to bring him in. This is Robbie Meitner. Hi, Robert! Is an incredible actor, one of the funniest human beings I think Robbie and I have ever met. I uh, first got to experience the genius of Rob Meitner, if I may, if I may tell this story. Um, when I, I realized... What was it? No, I, we, were, <laughs> we were doing something I at 54 below, and out of nowhere, Rob Meitner... Uh, made a joke about Shirley Valentine. And if you don't know what Shirley Valentine is, folks, you Google it. And it got me so hard. And then he launched into an Uta Hagen impression from Good. Reversal of Fortune. Oh, and can you, can you say? mistress is not a diabetic. <laughs> oh. Honestly. Uda, Uda Hagen, a face for radio. <laughs> for podcasts, I mean, truly. Oh, my God. Her in, I mean, her in Reversal of Four. I know this is not the movie we're talking about, but my <laughs> God, Uta Hagen. Now, this is AP gay, right? Like, this is advanced placement gay. This isn't yes. like gay card revoked. But if, if you can just watch Uta Hagen in both Reversal of Fortune as Sonny Van Bulow's minder, I guess, and also in The Boys from Brazil as a, a wicked old Nazi bitch, She's unreal. She goes for the gold every time. She lands on the bronze most of the time, but if she goes for it, and that's what it's all about. I agree. So, folks, you've got, if you're in the AP gay card revoke class, you have some advanced homework to do. You have to watch boys. Uh, I was going to say the boys from the band, boys in the band. She's not in the boys in the band. No, neither. Imagine version. that, Harold. She'd be yeah. great. <laughs> Michael does not have a happy birthday. I am a. Pockmarked 30 year old true fairy, and if I have to take some time to put my face together. <laughs> terrible, terrible, just terrible. <laughs> Before we begin, every every podcast episode has what? A drink. Yeah. What's our drink? I don't know. You picked it. I did. Friends, it's a Gibson. She's downing Gibsons like there's no tomorrow. Like truly 50 marks, 100 marks. Because there's no, no tomorrow, fucks. maybe. So no. no fucks to be had. And so it's the Martini's second cousin, the Gibson, which has a pickled cocktail onion inside of an olive. Uh, two and a half ounces of gin or vodka, half an ounce of dry vermouth. That's uh, my Julia Child. You're very welcome. Ooh. Ooh. Workshop. Workshopping. Yeah. No, not even. It's, oh. It's fully fleshed. Oh. Girl, she's going on the road in the second national company. With I'm actually oh. going to do it at Manhattan Theater Club like Bella Bella. Oh. Choices. Okay. So this is the Gibson? 
Yes, the Gibson. Uh, two and a half ounces of gin or vodka, a half ounce of dry vermouth. You garnish that with a cocktail onion. Off you go. That sounds delightful, delicious, and lovely. Okay, so now that we have our drinks all set up, Mr. Maitner, would yes. you be so kind, very briefly, to give us a little synopsis of All About Eve? What's the story? Well, it was a rainy night. Where was Karen going that evening? I, I don't remember. Do any of us remember? Well, she was going backstage to collect her husband and her best friend, Margot Channing, to go perhaps to the, wait, what was the club? The, uh, were they- 21 Club Store Club? Either where, the, where the elite meet, is what she says later in the thing. Oh, I don't remember the name of the club, damn it. Gay card <laughs> revoked. You were doing um, so good, you were doing so good. I was doing so well. But anyway, she's going backstage to see her friend, Margot Channing, uh, and hanging around is this mousy one in a, in a, a trench coat and a slouch hat. And, uh, Karen met, has recognized her because she sees her there all the time. Uh, it turns out it's a fan, great big fan of Margot Channing. Uh, so Karen thinks it'd be a hoot to bring her back and meet Margot Channing, and so she does. And it's at that moment that Eve, Eve, dear little Eve, um, worms her way into the life of Margot Channing, becoming her assistant, a confidant, and then she becomes the understudy, and then she tricks Margot, well, tricks, sabotage, sabotage, much better word, sabotages Margot to miss a performance, and all the critics now see Eve, and basically she's the understudy from hell, and she tries to steal all of her uh, roles and her friends and everything that Margot Channing has. Amazing. And um, it is a wonderful film starring the great Betty Davis and Baxter, Gary Merrill, right? Thelma Ritter. Who else Celeste is in it? Home. The Celeste Celeste Holm. Home. And uh, uh, George Sanders. Yeah. Zsa Gabor's Oscar winner, George Sanders, Zsa Gabor's husband. And yes. who, who killed himself in the early 70s? And, he really did. So and sad. And just left a note behind saying, I'm tired of this world. It's your problem yeah. now. Which is yeah. so eloquent. And it's actually on a sampler in my home um, <laughs> above, above my sofa. So, Mr. Maitner, when yes. did you first encounter All About Eve? Okay, so this might be um, uh, grounds for my gay card being revoked. Because I did not come to to um, All About Eve until I was in my late 20s, possibly even 30. And my dear, now how Robbie Roselle and I know each other mm. is through my dear, dear departed husband, aka, uh, also known, uh, um, not also known as, but also a cabaret star, David Gerland. Oh, and the best. He's the, he was the best. And so he introduced me to it. We got together and he introduced me to All About Eve. I was, ve I was, I was very into like new queer cinema. And I, I like downed all the old films. The only old film I liked was Auntie Mame because my mother sat me down at six years old and made me watch it and turned me into a homosexual in that moment. Ah. He's, he, was, he was a strange little man. Yeah. And he's much missed. Yes. Uh, but anyway. one of his legacies was leaving me with All About Eve. Um, mm -hmm. And it just, it, it is a screenplay that feels as fresh today as it did then. Deeply cynical in the most wonderful way. It uh, provides, particularly for the women, not, not so much the men except for uh, George Sanders, astounding dialogue and astounding characters to play. Um, 
and fully realized, fully, um, uh, fully realized women who were dealing with age and beauty and ambition and all of these things that women have had to deal with consistently since then. And uh, we still sort of have the same conversations about them. And I think that's why the, uh, the movie still resonates to this day. How, how rare is that, though, to, to walk away from a film going, uh, the women are all fully developed, but the men are underwritten? That's, oh, yeah. that, that's a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Mankiewicz, um, what he did with this screenplay was just shocking. It, it, I, the way that he, first of all, the fact that Betty Davis was only 43 when she made that. Like 43, I'm 46 now. 43 back then was a very different thing than 43 is now, right? Um, and so she just had all of this life, even at 43, to bring to it. And he allowed her that beautiful monologue uh, where she talks about what, what a woman really wants at the end of the day while she's stuck in a car in the cold that allowed Davis to just dip into some stuff that she's not always allowed to do in films. Yeah. Um, and so it just added another color, just not only to the film, but to Betty Davis's career, like her, her oeuvre, if you will, because she is extraordinary. And, and much like Margot at that time, she felt that she, had, she was washed up, that at 40, oh. after 40, she had nothing else to offer. It's a little off topic, but if you've never seen a documentary called Searching for Deborah Winger, um, oh. have, you, have you seen that, Rob? Yeah, well, it's not really off topic, though, is it? Because hmm. it's sort of the same thing. It's, it's still um, people exploring the same things that women, particularly women in Hollywood and women in the theater, have to deal with. And those are just sort of what women have to deal with generally put under a microscope or put under yeah. a magnifying glass, right? Interviewing a bunch of different actresses of different generations, talking about Deborah Winger specifically, because at a certain point in her career, and Deborah Winger was like flying high for a while from um, Officer and a Gentleman and um, Terms of Endearment. And then she kind of disappeared at some point. Uh, and it was the film was sort of exploring the concept of a woman aging, but also a difficult woman aging. Um, Deborah Winger was known to be quote unquote difficult, whatever that means in this world. Um, you know, how we're always told that women are, are difficult on set or in, in, in a, uh, in a uh, backstage or what have you, when everyone knows it's the straight boys in theater that are so, so difficult. Oh God. <laughs> No one needs more coddling. My God, they're eggs. They're eggs. They're so coddled. Um, so yeah, so it is, it is sort of a, it can be seen as a companion piece to All About Eve in, in exploring the idea of aging out and um, who do you become after your, um, your, your sex appeal and your um, vivacity and your youth go away. And Robbie Rizal, when did you uh, first encounter All About Eve? Uh, I first saw it right out of high school. Uh, we've, I've talked about it on previous podcasts where I would go to the library and, and uh, take out films that were seemed historically important in some way hmm. um, uh, on VHS. Thank you so much. Be kind. Rewind. Um, Did you? Yeah. So I could watch Every it Every time. Yeah. You rewind every time. Yeah, I'm a nice Good. human. Good. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. 
I would borrow All About Eve, uh, watched it, and then I fell into the musical applause, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit. Um, but th- th- what's better? Nothing's better than All About Eve. Nothing's better written. Nothing's better no. edited. Um, and I love it so much that I even made a special trip to London to see uh, the Evo Van Hova production on uh, West End last year. How was it? I had thoughts. Yeah. Would, would you like to express them? I sure would. Not great. What, what was not good about it? Um, Evo Van Hova likes to make movies when he's doing theater. And uh, so there were lots of cameras on stage, including one dead center of the mirror that um, that Jillian uh, uh, Anderson would put her makeup on that would show a close-up of her putting the makeup on overhead. Um, just because. And then, like, at the party, the, the pivotal party scene, um, the party would take place off in the wings with, like, a camera crew following them while, like, the fight took place on stage. But you'd see the party like projected up above. And friend, I say, if you just want to make a movie, make a movie. It's fine. I'm so sure make me you fly would... to London to see this movie. I'm sure you, right? I'm sure you would make a great film. But that, that ain't it. Now, I want to ask you, I want to <laughs> ask you about uh, the icon, Betty Davis, because this is really yeah. one of the first times we're talking about her in this oh, uh, this podcast. Yeah. So, okay. so what is it about Betty Davis that makes her such an icon to us in the gay community? Why do we gravitate towards her? You know, I've had a, uh, I've had a lot of um, thought about this uh, recently in my sort of like going back to my education and and focusing on on art stuff um, and just, you know, sort of focusing on it in my, my real life. I think that there is certainly something to be said for large uh, personalities who take charge personalities, dominant personalities. But I actually think a lot of our diva worship really comes down to, these are the people who are the best at what they do. I think Betty Davis is the best film actress uh, of, of from the beginning of celluloid through till, you know, Meryl Streep gave up one of her kids in, in a uh, Soviet choice. She, she just simply, and she did it almost what seemed to be effortlessly. She just, she was able to be a star. She was able to be an actress. She was able to um, express things in ways that were not done during that time in cinema, she was a little grittier than um, than Catherine Hepburn and even Joan Crawford, right? Uh, certainly Norma Shearer, dewy-eyed Miss Perfect Norma Shearer, who I love. Um, but but she was able to bring a sense of realism to film um, long before, like you know, the the um, the Strasberg Studios and Marlon Brando. Uh, he she. I think that's something that we really gravitate towards. You know, everyone will talk about Judy Garland and our love for Judy Garland and want to delve into her tragic life. Um, But it doesn't change the fact that she's the greatest voice of the first half of the 20th century. You know, she's, she is, she brought a level of um, 
artistry that nobody else did. And I feel the same way about Betty Davis. She led the way of, in artistry for actresses um, from the 30s on. And so, uh, yes, there are, there are many quotable lines. She's an incredible bitch. Like she, can, she does it better than anybody else. It's but true. At the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's her artistry that, that we all really react to. Robbie, what about you? What, what, what is it about Betty Davis, you think? There's something fascinating about her face. Mm. Because it's not the typical, it's almost mannish in terms of like jowls and the, the big eyes that are like glaring generally. Um, there, but there's something about her face that you want to look at it because it's doing so many things at the same time. Um, I watched Jezebel for the first time a couple weeks ago because uh, I had never seen it. And uh, it's, she won her second Oscar of two for that film. And I don't think as a film it holds up, but she's spectacular in it. Um, there's just something about her. She's got that star quality, but also on top of that, she's an impeccable actress with really great timing. Mm-hmm. a wonderful way with a line and a sort of i don't care so you know when you're yes. watching yeah like a young person uh who doesn't care what they do with their body because they're so young so they'll just sit anywhere they want to sit and as you get older like you become an aged character actress like myself like you will sit a certain way whatever because of angles and she's got an i don't give a fuck quality mm-hmm. to her performing yeah it's interesting when mankowitz was directing her in all about eve um she betty davis said that the clue that he gave her into the character that she just sort of ran with was he said she treats a fur coat like a poncho and she said once i knew that this woman had no rules and and that decorum was out the window she totally embraced the character but i think you see her do that in a lot of her other films as well and one of the things i mean i know you both are old film buffs like i am one of the things i find so interesting about her in movies like dark victory and jezebel and all the uh, little uh, little foxes all that earlier work if you look at actresses from that era they're very poised and it's very clear mm-hmm. diction. And it's almost when they're on, uh, when they're being spoke, when the, when the camera is on them in a close up and the other person is speaking to them, usually they'll just sit there and be like, I have to look beautiful. I can't move too much so the key light doesn't mm-hmm. go out. And with Betty Davis, you see a three-dimensional, full character. You see her thinking, you see her reacting, you see her thinking of things that she might want to say, but she can't say. Mm-hmm. And Rob Maynard, you're absolutely correct because Brando gets all this credit for oh my god he broke the film and it's out in the film my god the way he acted she was doing it 20 years earlier she really was and she better. i mean and better yeah at, yeah and better i mean she when you look at um when you look at um now voyager which is probably my favorite betty davis movie i don't consider all about eve a betty davis movie in in that there's so much good in it it's not just um, it's, it's not, not just, just a star vehicle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's okay. not just good because of Betty Davis. So, but, n- but now Voyager, um, she is, she's homely at the beginning of that movie. I mean, she is, she, she digs into the unattractive qualities of that character um, in a way that n- no other actress would do back then. No. no. Or 
she gave all the fucks about the right things yeah. in order to tell the story. So, gentlemen, my question for you is, is let's imagine somebody has watched All About Eve for the first time based on this podcast, mm-hmm. and they want to continue on with their Betty Davis education. What other film would you recommend that says, yes, that is a brilliant encapsulation of who she is as a performer? Well, first, I would say you're welcome for us introducing you <laughs> to the canon of Betty Davis. This is our job, Robbie. This is our yeah, job. It's our actually our life mission. Um, Oh, I I wanted to say this at the top of the podcast, um, so I'm going to say it now, that uh, in the beginning of this podcast, you and I were choosing the topics and finding people to talk about it, and we've sort of changed that because we don't want to be the gatekeepers of queer culture ourselves and saying what's important. So we have been inviting people onto the pod and saying, what do you want to talk about that you think is queer canon? Um, and that this is really the first in that line. Oh, is it? Oh, mm-hmm. yay. Oh, that yes. feels fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So, so not the gatekeeper, but the gay keeper. The oh, yeah. gay keeper? Yeah. Um, I would say uh, The Little Foxes mm. and uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Great. And, and Mr. Maitner? Yeah, I would say The Little Foxes as well. It is, it is so crisp, that performance, and just pure evil. Um, and now Voyager. It is just to see her go from ugly and frumpy and on the verge of a nervous breakdown to fabulous in the same picture is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I would uh, recommend uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane because it's just an incredible, once again, doing a thing that most actresses probably would have said, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Take and elevating it. I have to be grotesque and unattractive. I can't do that. And you're right, Robbie, elevating it. The other, the other thing I would suggest is uh, YouTube. Uh, just type in Betty Davis, Joan Rivers. It's very late in her life. It's right after her daughter, B.D. Hyman, has written this horrible <gasps> book about her. And she just goes off on her daughter on public television. And to me, I'm like, this is an example of a woman that gives no fucks. My daughter. There it is. B.D. <laughs> Hyman. She's a liar. And she lied. I don't understand. <laughs> it's weird Faye either of us. a bitch. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> we did. Amy Sample McPherson. She <laughs> 300 extras waiting. Mr. Goldwyn Winner Liar. <laughs> Thank you so much. I can't wow. do I can't do fasten your seatbelts. I can't do anything. I can just give you angry Betty Davis on John Rivers. It's going to be a simple McPherson. That's the Listen, best. it's weird that neither of us said return to Witch Mountain is honestly. Or Death on the can, Nile. You can watch Return to Witch Mountain Ooh. on Disney Plus. Oh yeah, Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile. The With star? Maggie Smith. You know, we're giving her a lot of credit, but like you had said earlier, this feels, it doesn't feel like a Betty Davis picture. It's an ensemble piece and every single one of them has no problem, you know, passing the ball to the other to make a great collective whole. So let's talk about some of the other fantastic people that appear in this film. And let's start with the great Celeste Holm as Karen Richards, the the voice of reason and then Ado Annie and then the not so voice of reason as the movie progresses. Let's talk about this performance. 
She's giving you sexy She's... Ethel Mertz in this one. Oh. <laughs> when... <laughs> right? Yeah. When was she... it? Which day? <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. Yes. She... That's all I know, really. Oh, what where night? were we going that night? I don't know. Do recall. any of us remember? Uh <laughs> <laughs> she's she's really quite lovely in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. She did this not long after she did. Did she win the Oscar for it? Gentlemen's Agreement. This is just a couple of years after Gentlemen's. After Agreement. Gentlemen's Agreement. Um, and she just plays this urbane woman beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, somebody who went. Oh, uh, did they mention the college she went to? I can't remember. Um, they mentioned that she went to college, and uh, and I feel like it was one of the like Bryn Mawr, like the Seven Sisters College, or Bryn Mawr, yes. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she just personifies that. I, the fact that I, um, her and Betty Davis hated each other is bar- each probably other. my favorite thing. Um, when when she showed up on set, I believe the story is when she showed up on set and she very pleasantly said, good morning to Betty Davis. Betty Davis said, oh shit, good manners. And walked <laughs> away. Uh, and so, but then it, it came to, there's a wonderful scene about three quarters of the way through the movie where Karen, uh, played by Celeste Holm, gets cornered by Eve uh, and blackmailed into uh, getting her husband to give her the part in his new play and she comes back and Margot says in that moment she's like you know what I don't want to do the new play give it to somebody else and Karen starts laughing and apparently it pissed Betty Davis off so much because the one thing Betty Davis could not do was like show mirth she couldn't truly laugh and she mm. hated 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 Celeste Home for being able to just so easily just dissolve into giggles. I laughed once when my daughter, Beanie Hyman, fell down. (laughs) It's a shame. I have a Celeste Home story. Tell us. You may or may not want to cut from this broadcast, but- Bring um, it in, folks, a Celeste Home story. Who cares? Um, So I had friends who were at a benefit with her, and this was in the 2000s. So she was- 874 years old and and like you know 17 strokes in um and the only thing they remember her saying out of the corner of her mouth because of the stroke was june havoc is as funny as a dead baby's grave (laughs) poor june havoc she hasn't been through enough right she she didn't get her life stolen from her by arthur lawrence it's not it's as funny as a dead baby's grave. But if that dead baby was my daughter, Beanie Hyman, I'd be in stitches. <laughs> if you want to read going... if you want to read something really interesting about Celeste Holm, don't forget, folks, uh she was 94 and her husband was 48. Oh yeah. Let's not forget that about Celeste Holm. Cougar. Yeah. Cougar, 94-48. The OG <laughs> Cougar, really. Stifler's really, mom who? Yeah. Exa- oh, Stifler's exactly. mom. Taking us back. Okay, oh, so, we, so we've got like this voice of reason, which is Karen Richards. Which and is then Karen, yeah. Which is Karen. And then a uh, Karen nowadays. Karen wants to speak to the manager. Um, <laughs> Karen wants to speak to Bill Sampson. She's not happy. Mm-hmm. And then so, the brilliant... Ann Baxter oh, in a God. role that is not easy 
to do in no. any way, shape, or form, and is brilliant at it. Let's talk about I, Ann Baxter. I have feelings about Ann Baxter. Mm-hmm. They're not all positive. Share. But, but they're, well, they're, I mean, they're, I don't know. I did not know Ann Baxter, so I don't have any, like, truly deep personal feelings. But, <laughs> um, I mean, just her Nefertiri from the Ten Commandments wow. was one of the most bizarre I mean, the Ten Commandments is bizarre, right? Like, gay card revoked people. Like, if you want to see some camp, you need to watch at, at Passover time, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> no other time. that is some shit. Like, Edward <laughs> G. Robinson as a turncoat Jew. Like, everything. It's oh, everything. Yeah. We're going to show, see? Where's your Moses now? <laughs> Vincent Price. <laughs> I, it is... It is it is a shocking Yvonne Iv- DiCarlo, who later became Lily Munster. It's it's the worst movie. It is astoundingly bad. <laughs> and Anne Baxter is ridiculous in it. Like drag queens should study it for a little bit. They like, probably do. Oh, Moses, Moses, you stubborn, splendid, adorable fool. Like she's just absurd. Um, and I think she brings that absurdity into a lot of her performance. She's a mannered actress. But hmm. in this particular movie, mm-hmm. that works beautifully. Oh, yeah. Because I think, like, um, everyone else in Margot Channing's orbit has an air of the theatrical around them, even common sense Karen. Eve is trying to do that throughout the entire film. She well, is still trying to become that theatrical animal and so she's also the one with a secret so a lot of her acting is very repressed and held back which works in her favor i don't necessarily think that's acting on her part it's just what she did it's a lot like uh kirsten dunson dropped it gorgeous i can't believe i'm making this uh comparison right now but like kirsten dunst took herself so seriously as an actress uh, that she's hilarious in this camp movie because she's taking herself so seriously yeah. and doesn't realize it's a comedy. And so she's, so whatever her manners are as an actress, they work very, very well for the character of Eve. One of the great things about the screenplay, I think, is, is it shows uh, four women in four different stages of their life, mm. right? And we have, you know, we have... Uh, uh, the young lady from the Copacabana School of Dramatic Arts, Marilyn Monroe's character, right? And then you have Ann Baxter, and then you have um, Celeste Holm, Betty Davis, and then it moves up to Thelma Ritter, uh, Birdie, who's seen it all, seen everything, heard it all. How did it take this long to get to Thelma Ritter? Because you saved the best for last. We saved the best for last. We saved the best for last. She is... This was... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, for All About Eve, I think she received four, this was her fourth consecutive Academy Award nomination. Yeah, and I think she ended up getting five or something like that. Like, she, and I don't think she ever attended because she hated flying, so she had to drive everywhere. Mm. Um, And she never moved out of Queens. She she lived in Queens her entire life. She's my kind of person. Um, yeah, she is. She's just that. She's just Thelma from Queens. Um, and honestly, aren't we all? Uh, I, it's all I could <laughs> dream of being. Um, a Tony winner, by the way, 
Thelma Ritter tying with Gwen Verdon for Best Actress in a musical for, they're both in the same show, Anna Christie. She's extraordinary in this. She, she uh, what did she say? She's slave labor. Um, yeah. She yeah. doesn't have a union. She's slave labor. She is Margot's. I, I don't got a union. I'm slave labor. Yeah, but what is she? She's, who is she? She's Margot's Girl Friday? And the first one to go, something's not right with Eve. Yeah. Oh, from the, from the get-go. That, what a story. Yeah. <laughs> Everything but the bloodhounds yapping at her rear. Yeah. I, she is, is it rear behind? What did she say? I don't know. At her rear, I believe. And it turns out that she's right all along. We lose her halfway through the movie, alas. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen her there for some sort of comeuppance for Eve. Don't you wish she um, was at that Sarah Siddons Awards? Oh, heaven. And yeah. we, Ritter also shows up in Rear Window. She's if you're a Hitchcock fan, oh. she's great in Rear Window as Jimmy Stewart's like masseuse slash maid. Yes, <laughs> which is <laughs> what a gift, honestly. No happy ending for you. No God, Barty, Barty. Stop it. What's her name? Barty, 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 Barty. I needed to make banana cry, Barty. Oh, it's disgusting. Barty, Barty. The the com the commer there set on on a timer. So you're you're gonna you're gonna give me a happy ending. Uh, and the camera's gonna take take a photo so I can look at it later. Oh my God, there's a murder. You have ruined all of my Christmas movies. Do you understand that? How is Rear Window a Christmas movie? No, okay. no, you ruined Jimmy. <laughs> Merry Stewart. Christmas. You ruined Jimmy Stewart, so you've ruined. Um, it's, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful life. life. It's not. And we and lived through twenty twenty. We know. Ritter was in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Uh, so let's talk. So terrifying. let's let's talk about then some of the gentlemen in this oh, film. Yeah, there are um, men in this film. There are, believe it or not. Um, and we've got, I think, two guys that are kind of, to me kind of generic, and I hate to say oh, that. Yeah. Um, but there is one male performance that is unlike anything Come on. that has ever been put on film up until that point, which is deeply homosexual Addison DeWitt. I mean, not homosexual, I guess, but queer, certainly queer. Oh, I, mean, I this think movie so. Is oh, I think Addison DeWitt is queer. Oh, get it. Gentlemen, I have a question for you. <laughs> Let's imagine... Out of all the divas that there are today, you get to be Eve Harrington to one of those divas. Which diva would you like to watch behind the scenes and then eventually take over for them? Uh, it's, it's it's surprising. I, 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 I've come to it. It surprised me that I've come to it, but it feels very right. Um, Viola Davis. Oh. Oh. She digs in. She doesn't care if she looks ugly. She is, she is that ilk. Mr. Mr. Rizal. Uh Tony Collette. Tony Collette yeah. is truly one of the most brilliant actresses that we have currently, who is again not afraid to be ugly, not afraid to use her body. Um, generally ends up weeping in everything she's in, even if it's a light comedy. Um, it doesn't matter. She is a fascinating, brilliant uh, who has a lot happening behind her eyes. Yeah. Actually, if they, they should never remake this film. No. But if they did, she should be Betty Davis's role. Agreed. We should also talk about Marilyn Monroe. Uh, we should talk about Marilyn Monroe. In her first film. She is incandescent in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, she's incandescent in every movie, but this, you know, this is her introduction. Um, 
And it's perfect in this movie because she is absolutely, um, she's like, without guile, she is, I mean, she probably has more guile than anybody in, in some ways, um, but she is, she just look, she looks different from everybody else. She, she acts different from everybody else. She, she, it's like the light shines on her in this movie. As you come to know Marilyn Monroe after this, you're like, oh, that's Marilyn Monroe. But when you don't, you're, you're, when this is your first introduction to her, you're like, is this a brilliant actress creating this bizarre sort of baby-voiced woman? Or is this who this woman is? And it turns out that's who that woman is. But um, yeah, she's, she's magnificent in this movie. It's an incredible cast all across the board. So, Rob, we always ask this to our guests, and I'll ask you, which is, what is the uh, what is the appeal of this movie to the gay community? Why do uh, gay the gay community gravitate towards this film so much? Because it's a gay movie, and and the people who are queer in this um, are. Uh, Codedly queer, but it is, uh, you know, we have the Edison DeWitt, the bitchy queen, and we have Eve, this sort of um, malevolent lesbian, or a malevolent woman with lesbian tendencies who will do anything to please Margot in order to sort of subsume Margot. Uh, it's not necessarily the most positive uh, reading of a queer or a story, but it is it is there. You even see it at the end when Phoebe comes in, um, is sleeping in, in uh, Eve's hotel room or apartment, whatever it is, before she goes to LA. Um, there's just this bizarre sexual tension between them. And, and the idea of uh, Addison DeWitt making the play that they should be a couple is really, really interesting. The idea that for them to really get ahead and to use each other as best as possible, they have to pretend to be a couple. Um, he, all, he says that it's improbable, right? Uh, that it's, it's an improbable coupling. Um, it's because they're both very, very strongly coded queer. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to think that that's how they can um, take over like the straight world. It's, and Mr. Rizal? Ooh. Um, I feel that it is so brilliantly written in almost, it's almost written in gay, in the um, sort of bitchy quips that uh, really are all, this whole podcast evolved to nothing but bitchy quips several times. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's almost written as coded um to see what you want to see and also you t it's just betty da it's betty davis that's the reason to see the film not just the classic uh fasten your seatbelts it's going to be a bumpy night but like every minute she's on screen every side eye all of it is very much um catered to le homosexuels that's gay for the homosexuals. Oh. There is, there's also another moment that's in the, uh, it, that's early in the film where Bill comes to Margot's dressing room and he's about to go to LA that night and he's, he's gonna make a picture for Zanuck. And she says, Zanuck, 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 what are you two lovers? And his response is, well, only in some ways. And 
it is such a shocking thing. Like when I first saw the movie, it was such a shocking moment where I was like, how did that get by? How did something so gay um, get tossed off and, and that it was a, a fun quip between two people instead of like a shocking accusation, right? It was, it was, it allowed us to know the world we were playing in for this movie. And it was a world where gay people were welcome. It's yeah. fascinating that the, the screenplay is written by what is presumably a straight man. Yes. Oh, a very straight man, yeah. yeah. You know, th- in this quarantine, my, my quarantine project or my quarantina project is I've been watching every single best picture winner in chronological order. Oh, yeah. And I hadn't seen all about even in quite a long time. And I remember it for the campiness and the bitchiness and the fasten your seatbelts and the brilliant performances. And one of the things that got me this last go round, because I think I'm much older than the last time I saw it, was I feel like in our community, there's a shelf life of when you're like young and when you're desirable. And then at some point in gay years, you hit a number. And it's like, it's, Robbie, it's like, what do you say in your song? Like, legally dead. Legally dead in Hell's Kitchen. Because after, <laughs> yeah. after a certain age, just people stop looking at you. And so when Margo was doing the monologue in the car about aging out and not being mm-hmm. desirable, I was like, oh boy, this, this hits our community, I think, yeah, on a very sure. resonant yeah. level. Because while women, I feel, in film and television have like progressed beyond that age limit in a lot of ways. I mean, we're seeing things like, uh, oh my, uh, Fra- Frankie and Johnny? No, what's the Lily yeah. Tomlin? Fra- Grace and Frankie, sorry, Grace oh, and Frankie. Grace, Frank- Grace and Frankie. I was like, so, Frankie and Johnny, Johnny, where are you going? No, but like Grace and Frankie and the Golden Girls and Hot in Cleveland, yeah. where it's all these people of a certain age. Our community doesn't really have that so much, I think. It's like you, you, hit, you, know, you hit a number and it's like, we're done. Until you become Ian McKellen. Yeah, there's, there's also, nothing in between. Yeah, there's also one one thing that our and this is taking it to a dark place, but one thing our community lost was a generation ahead of us. Right? Yeah, yeah. So those people might have been the storytellers of of that that next uh, um, sort of spectrum of gay stories. Yeah, they may have been the people to tell those stories, and we lost them. And so now, you know, I uh, I produce short films and we focus a lot on telling gay stories from a middle-aged perspective because we didn't have them. We, and, and, and if we did have them, they were really stories about life and death and loss. And, and so the, the idea that we're now that generation that has to tell those stories to say, Oh no, we are, we are vibrant and we are, um, we, we do have a lot more to give in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I, we're there now. It's, it's up to us. I think that's great. Keep fighting that good fight. So the 1950 Oscars, but what I want to talk about specifically is the best actress in a leading role category. Because it's all insane. five of those women. Who's in it? Who's, who's the nominees? Okay. But we have Betty okay. Davis yep. and Ann Baxter for All About Eve against yep. each other presumably canceling each other out, I would have voted for Betty Davis. We have Gloria Swanson for Sunset Boulevard. We have Eleanor Parker for Caged. Eleanor Parker, who is, of course, the Baroness in the Sound of Music film. And the winner, 
Judy Holiday for Born Yesterday. Mm-hmm. I have a quick question for you, faggots. Sorry. <laughs> oh, for you queens. All you of queens. Us. <laughs> have you seen Caged? No, no, I've seen Lady in a Cage. Bitches. Bitches. Yeah. Caged is everything. And why is it everything? Because it it's called Caged because Eleanor Parker plays a woman who ends up in prison. <gasps> yes. And Agnes Moorhead is the stern <laughs> but trying her best prison matron. And I think her name is Hope Emerson. I think that's her name. Ruth she Benson. was nominated. She was nominated for Best oh, Supporting no, Actor. I, Hope Emerson, yes, plays Emily Harper. Oh, yes. yes. She, she played the, I mean, the most monstrous dyke you could ever imagine, the dyke prison guard. She gets shanked in the neck eventually. It is unbelievable. When you, when you hear people making jokes about, ah, no fish in their cell, right? Like those old, like, women in prison movies and they say, no fish. This is where the, they got that, this movie was where they were like, no fish. And I was like, what the fuck? This is 1950. What is happening? I am, I'm losing my mind. You have to see this picture. AP gay, AP gay. You're going to get a five on the test and you're going to get college credit and you're going to lose your goddamn mind. I think Agnes, we now have an offshoot podcast called AP, AP Gay. Gay? AP Gay. <laughs> yeah, with Rob Maynard. With Professor Maynard. Yeah. <laughs> so it, Best Actress, Judy Holiday won. For, Judy Holiday won. For, yeah. Uh, for, for, for Born, Born yesterday. yesterday. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but what other Oscars did this, this film win? Oh, God. It won so many. It won. It won picture, six. one director, screenplay, screenplay mm-hmm. um, supporting, supporting actor. actor. It won, I think, Black and white cinematography it won? Uh, no, it's nominated. It won costume design. Oh, it did. Okay. Uh, Edith Head? Uh, right? Edith Head and Charles Lemire. Yeah. So do you know the story about her dress? Tell it. Tell it, Rob. That, oh, yeah, that um, the dress in the party scene um, that, that Edith Head designed, uh, it ended up being made incorrectly. Uh, it was supposed to like go over her shoulders. Um, and when Betty Davis tried it on and there was something going on with it and they didn't know what to do and Edith Head was upset. And then Edith Head just took the shoulders and then moved them down to the side of her arms. And that created that amazing, amazing sort of bosom of, of Betty Davis in that moment. And yes. that dress had pockets. The zero fucks. The zero fucks. Zero fucks. Yeah. Who also, the reason she talks the way she did is because she had a massive fight, like a drag out fight with her husband the night before they started filming and she had been screaming the entire night. So she was hoarse and then had to hold it the entire time. Oof. Poor, poor Betty Davis. Suffer for the art. Really? <laughs> Mr. Maitner, we ask yes. this to all of our guests and our, it's our last question. Okay. The last question is, why should someone who is part of our community that has never seen All About Eve, why should they watch this movie? You are a part of a community that has brought so much to the world in terms of art, design, um, just the aesthetics of the 20th century are, are strongly influenced by queer people. One of the great artworks of the 20th century is All About Eve. So not just in terms of the bitchy quips that you can learn, not just in terms of the 
grand acting style of Betty Davis. But in terms of quality and, um, what else am I looking to say? Quality and, and high artistic achievement, that's shit we did in the 20th century. That was the way we were able to make our mark on the 20th century until we were able to walk down the streets holding the person we love's hand. So that is why you should watch All About Eve. Even if it's not made by queer people, it was made with a queer audience in mind. You can see it throughout the entire movie and, uh, and you will not regret a second of watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Films today wouldn't be as good as they are if not for films like All About Eve. It is an essential cornerstone of cinema. A and cornerstone. now, Mr. Maitner. Yes. Are going to play a game Oh my God. Yeah. This game, game with me. is going to be quotes from the film. Okay. And you will have to fill in the blank. We're going to leave out a word. Okay. And you'll have to tell us what that word is. Robbie, would you like to go first in quizzing Mr. Maitner? There's only five questions. Okay. Nothing, nothing would make me happier, truly, listen, on this day. And listeners, play along with us. Take it away, Mr. Rizal. Please do. Lloyd, honey, be a playwright with guts. Write me one about a nice, normal woman who just blanks her husband. Shoots her husband? Shoots. Shoots. They're so good. Okay, very good. All right, one for one. Question number two. Are you ready? This is Bertie talking to Margo. Okay. Bertie says, there's a message from the bartender. Did Miss Channing know she ordered domestic gin by mistake? And Margo says, the only thing I ordered by mistake is the blank. They're domestic too, and they don't care what they drink as long as it burns. Guests. Very good. Two for two. All right. Take it away, Robbie. Number three. Why do they always look like unhappy? Blank. Funny rabbits. Yeah. Rabbits. Very good. Very good. Is it, does she just say rabbits or does she say rabbits? It's just Just, rabbits? Okay. Just rabbits. But, Um, you know, she should have added bunny. It would have been better. (laughs) Screenplay's perfect. This is an Addison DeWitt quote. Okay. Miss Caswell is an actress, a graduate of the blank School of the Dramatic Arts. Copacabana. One of my favorite lines in this whole movie. Oh, yeah. All right, you're doing four for four, Mr. Maitner. All right, Robbie, give him the last one. This is Karen. Lloyd says Margot compensates for underplaying on stage by overplaying blank. I want to say offstage, but... No. Is it in the bedroom? What a great line. Is reality? Yeah. In the bedroom ah. was a film that starred Sissy Spacek and Marissa Tomei. <laughs> I can't with that movie. That's another one I can do impressions of, but I need <laughs> plates because she breaks the plate because Tom Wilkinson's yelling at her in the kitchen. And he goes, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I let him get away. And she goes, everything. And then the plates break. 2002 I love, was. I love a prop comic. Me. I love a prop comic. Spacek. You're wanted on stage. Carrot Top was up for it and they gave it to Sissy Spacey. Did, did any of you guys see the reading that they did? That I think it was an Actors Fund reading of All About Eve, the screenplay of All About Eve. No, I wish. Uh, Annette Benning as yeah. Margot Tanning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to say Peter Gallagher yeah. as Bill Sampson. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim uh, Curry was Addison DeWitt. No, it was Brian Bedsburg. Wait, Tim, wait, there was one in New York, there was one in LA. Oh my the one God, in New York. you with LA yeah. all the time. We get it, Thousand Oaks. <laughs> we understand. Cynthia Nixon was Karen. And oh, Angela wow. Lansbury was Birdie. <gasps> oh, I bet yeah. that was fabulous. It was great. Oh, we, didn't mention, we didn't mention that Ann Baxter 
went into the Broadway musical replacing Lauren Bacall as Margot Channing on Broadway. And be, before we do, if, if it's okay, I'd like to tell you the L.A. group that was in <laughs> yes. All About Eve. Because L.A., you, oh, you, I, I'd rather see this. Are you ready? Here was the cast. Um, Stalker Channing was Margot Channing. Oh. Okay. And Callista Flockhart was Eve Harrington. Mm-hmm. Angela, okay. Lans- Angela Lansbury was Birdie. Tim Curry was Addison DeWitt. Amazing. Victor Garber was Bill Sampson. Mm. Yep. Lloyd and Karen Richards, Blythe Danner and John Ritter. What? Yep. John Ritter? Yep. Uh, Jennifer Tilly was Miss Caswell. Max, <gasps> Fab- Max Fabian was Carl Reiner. Oh my God. And in supporting roles, but they don't say who they were. <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> Who's left? Melissa Manchester and Kirk Douglas. Who the hell did they play? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, wait. I'm so sorry. I, I apologize. I made a mistake. John Ritter was Bill Sampson. Blythe oh. Danner and Victor Garber were Karen and Lloyd Richards. Oh, that, yeah, makes, that makes more sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Douglas was the presenter who does the uh-huh. award ceremony. And Melissa Manchester was the pianist at the party. Oh, I thought she just sang Don't Cry Out Loud while somebody would sing it. Don't Cry Out Loud. Oh my God, Rob Maitner! This has been such a joy getting to talk to you about all about you, Eve. Guys, thank you for inviting me on and talking about it. It's my it's my second favorite movie. Um, and one final thing, I finally saw All About Eve in the in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they showed it just like a couple of years ago, and I was able to bring my now husband, mm. also named David. Yes, I've I only it. date Davids, so it was a really nice like button on my like love of this that he got to see this movie hey. Rob, how can people find you on the internets uh people can find me on the instagram so you can find me at bobby mates at instagram b-o-b-b-i-e the feminine spelling m-a-i-t-s we thank you so much for being with us we thank you so much for introducing us to all about eve and we hope that you'll come back again at some other time for these ap classes professor yeah. mainers so, so, so much ap caged um, Mr. Rizal, yeah. next week, what should everyone be studying for their homework? Oh, uh-huh. friends, friends. Before there was Carrie, Samantha, and the other two, whose names I don't recall because they were boring, Charlotte and uh, Redhead. <laughs> Miranda, I could not remember it. There were four women, and their names were Dorothy, Sophia, Blanche, and Rose. That's right. We're talking about the Golden Girls. Yes. No Coco, though. No Coco. We're going to actually bring up Coco because we're going to talk about some of the gay episodes. And Coco's the gay episode. So while we're talking about the Golden Girls uh, in a couple of weeks, folks, remember, we're going to be emphasizing the gay episodes. And we'll do deep explorations of those. We got Coco. We got Blanche's brother, Clayton. Um, What else do we? Oh, we have Jean. That's her name, Jean. Jean thinks thinks Rose is a lesbian. No, Jean. Lesbian. Lesbian. <laughs> like, what's a better line reading than Blanche Devereaux in general? What's wrong with being a lesbian? Ain't Diane Thomas one? <laughs> then B. Arthur talking, not Lebanese. <laughs> not Lebanese, Blanche. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're jumping into the, uh, truly the gay classic, The Golden Girls. And you can also watch the Henny Penny episode just to give yourself a little, <gasps> Please. A little foreplay oh in the God, gay we're world. Talk about Henny Penny. 
there you know is who a, wrote the song for that, right? I was just gonna say there's a is rumor that, what you that were gonna say? yes, I I will Jerry say Herman. there's okay, great. Yes, it's Jerry Herman. It's yeah, it's great, Jerry Herman. You want to sing a little bit for us to leave us on this episode? A piece of blue sky just fell on my head. The wherefore and why are best left unsaid. But I've got a feeling, and it's appalling. Uh, like it or not, you like it or not.